Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast, where we create conversation and community among real people about everyday issues. This is a place for you to hear truth, connect with others, and find answers to your questions. Here's your host, Alan Reed. Hey, everybody. This is the Real Talk Podcast. I'm Alan Reed, host of the show. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, a few weeks ago, we sent out a short survey asking for your ideas and topics to kind of cover the months ahead. And Allie is just, she's hot she's right now. Hot oh, in here. She's temperature she, hot in it's here. Still, she's still recovering from the hot takes. It's, yes. Oh my gosh, I am. It's muggy outside. It's muggy in here. Yeah. I thought you said, oh my gosh, Diane. I was like, it's Diane? David, not Diane. Yeah, no. I'm going to try to keep us on task here. This is not so supposed you, to be a fun episode. Oh my gosh. It's, this is why we don't You guys sent us a survey and you gave us some great responses. And so today, what we thought we would do is we take a handful of your suggestions. And we talk about it. Icebreaker. Let's so talk about it. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. So these topics might, they might be able to be like a full podcast, but we Eventually. don't really know. So we're going to, we're going to play around with them a little bit today. We're, we're going to give ourselves a five minute countdown. Someone's got the timer. <gasps> that David. was supposed to be that me. Was, that oh was his job. Oh my gosh. Okay. You made a big deal about how. <laughs> I want a ding. Guys, I got I want, it. I got like, it. I got it. Move on to If you go to a hotel thing. and you're trying Guys, to get someone's attention, ding. I want one of those. I'm right. I'm on it. Okay. So um, anyway, these topics may be a future podcast. We don't know. If there's one that we just really have a good time with and we think I'll make a, a full episode, we'll do that. Oh, oh my gosh. It's the 90s again. Nope. Make it stop. Nope. All right. Somebody well, James is looking tea. for that. <laughs> so this we do have James. We have Allie. We have David here. Hi. And we're going to begin with our icebreaker. We're not going to give five minutes each on this one. No. We're not going to give five minutes each for any of them, really. But good. Uh, five then minutes why total. Why find a five-minute timer? Because that's for us total. The okay. topic, five minutes total. per topic. Oh. So, Lightning round. Yes. Our icebreaker Gosh. is, and this was suggested by someone, what were you like as teenagers and college students? I'm going to do the other one. Okay. Well. So, and yeah, James is a rule breaker. He was a rebel. <laughs> Actually a rule follower. So, uh, not today. Not so, James, why don't you go first? Since you're yeah. not going to answer the question, why don't you answer well, your own you question? Well, you guys all chose different ones because somebody was complaining about not having one, but I don't have David. one. David. It was me. So, one of the Diane. other icebreaker options was to talk about a good or bad first date. Well, I wanted to tell a story about my second first date with my wife. Whoa. So, we dated for a while, broke up for a while, dated again. How long were you broken up for? Like three or four years. Whoa. Okay. okay. And is, so, um, I, that, that counts as a first By the way, date. the last time I made a comment about my marriage and my relationship with her, she totally corrected me and said I was completely wrong about yeah. dates and times. So we got that I group be, text. It might have been a month. I don't know. But um, Andrea sent us a text. So <laughs> basically, what happened was we dated, we broke up, we dated again. Well, the second time we were dating, she, you know, we, we'd kind of been flirting a little bit and was like, okay, this might be turning back into something. She called a meeting. <laughs> A meeting? Yeah. Yeah. Literally, this is why it's a funny story and why with I wanted you? to tell it. She called a meeting with me. She came to, like, she set it up, scheduled it, sent me an email, like, calendar invite, like, all oh this stuff. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, this is, like, the weirdest thing ever. And so she comes to my office, and she meets with me, and she comes into my office, and she sits down, and she shuts the door, and she's like, all right, before I'm going to say yes or no to going on a date with you, I just need you to understand something. She says, if we start dating again, we're going to get married, and I need to make sure that we're both ready for that. Like Ooh. she was so confident that Dang. if we dated again at My hands all, are sweating. we were going to get married. And so just I'm just, it is. Yeah. They were sweating. This was before, like two weeks before Valentine's still. day. And I'm like, what? Like, I just want to go out on a date with you. And she was just so sure that if we went out on a date at all, we would get married. And she's like, and I just want to make sure that you're ready for that. And that I'm ready for that. And all that kind of stuff. And I said, Oh, I mean, Okay. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, whatever, weirdo, I just want to go on a date. And so we went out on a date. Our second first date was Valentine's Day. And she was right. We got married. Well, there you go. She's but always right. She like, Woman's I mean, isn't that weird right. though? Whenever you're like, hey. It's very commendable. You know, I would like mm-hmm. to go out on a date with you. Cool. Can we have a meeting in your office to talk about it? <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm just surprised you had email back then. That <laughs> is very hurtful. Diane, you're me. I am not as old as Alan. <laughs> We didn't have email when we first started. That's true. You didn't. Alan, you didn't have to say that. That's true. We didn't. He had to send a postcard to ask her out on it. Yeah, oh that's my true. Gosh. Oh, no. Carrier. Oh, no. Wait, uh, wait. Oh, what is no. that? What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It just oh, means no. we. That was very like, oh, no. That's not what I did. 
Oh my no, gosh. No, I was saying it's more of like, oh no, he knows that I had to send a postcard. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. I like snail mail. All Ooh. right. Anyone else want to answer that one instead of the uh, the one that we chose? <laughs> what were <laughs> Well, I mean that, what were like kind as teenagers? Of segues into like how I was as a teenager. Okay. Uh, because I didn't go out on dates as a teenager mm-hmm. because I had a I I mean, you I wasn't a, as beautiful. Did as you I have the sweat gland problem? Whoa. No, surprisingly, no. I wasn't. I wasn't a very sweaty. Listen, teenager. last week somebody accused me of being sweaty and gross, and now no. someone's accusing him of being sweaty. I and didn't gross. accuse you. I was suggesting I was just, that yeah. is that why you have, have to, to wash, wash your clothes. clothes all the time. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. We need to yeah. <laughs> oh we'll let, all right, Dave. I'll let you finish because we're going to go over five minutes on um, this. One. I didn't but, the timer. Was I supposed uh, to start the time? How was I as a teenager? Well, I was kind of a nerd. Um, I, I really was into sports, mm-hmm. like uh, Wisconsin sports, to be general, or mm. specific, to, because, general. to be general. That's literally the opposite of what I wanted to say. Do nerds and sports go together? Uh, I, yes, I sort of. I, I mean, like, like, nerd, not, I wouldn't say, like, nerd, nerds. nerd. Were you, like, You're a cool nerd. I was, I guess I, I bet was, you were a cool nerd. It's I was cool. Stat. I was in band. I played mm-hmm. the trombone in high school. I've seen pictures of David um, when he was that age. I don't know if you would call if him you, cool If you go to YouTube right now and search... Um, At least Bentonville High School trombone suicide. You Go would Tigers! See, you oh, would I've seen see, that. I've seen that video. You would see David doing the trombone suicide. And you're there with like Cameron McGee. David's yeah, I was. Hair. Yeah. Oh yeah, I had a big fro. He did. I've yeah. seen pictures. It's epic. Um, I was, I was, I was pretty cool in high school. But suicide you know. squad fail? Is that it? Oh no, I hope oh. not. That would hurt real bad. No, it's where they're swinging the trombone <laughs> yeah, arms over is. each other's heads. It's yeah. terrifying. It yeah, take um, a screenshot of that. You got it. We can put that. Up I can Facebook. link it in the in the description. But <laughs> anyways, fun. as a as a teenager, that's I sat in my room, played guitar most of my life, and watched Wisconsin sports and played um, MLB 2K5 on my Xbox <laughs> a lot. The actual video though of the performance and NCAA yeah. football a lot too. Nice. I really that's love that game. Field. Anyways, that was me yeah. as a. Uh, teenager, and they're in like full band garb. Very okay. good. Okay, who's next? Allie, you want to you want to? Uh, she's answer. mesmerized right now by this. Yeah, she's staring. <laughs> like, she's staring at David's picture. We went to high school together. I do not remember. Yeah, this we we went to high school together without knowing it. But uh, the best part is that actually you don't have any shoes on in this video. Makes sense. I don't know why I think that's funny. Um, in high school, I hmm, I played like? like three sports in high school, mm. and um, that's awesome. Yep. I played softball, played golf, and I was on the cheer team. Mm-hmm. Um, I was studious. I was not as much of a procrastinator as I am now. I don't really know what happened. Um, really, I'm like kind of the same. I think I'm a lot more outgoing mm-hmm. than I used to be. Um, typically, if I saw someone, my mom likes to constantly remind me of this. Um, if I saw someone I went to school with, I would like walk the other way, like try to avoid having to oh, say hi to them. I do that now with people I work with. I do that yeah. with everyone. <laughs> um, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, hey, from like all the way across the Walmart. So, uh, I think I've college really brought out the best side of me, but, but you were second runner up as mm-hmm. I got, a- um, Senior year, I got a uh, second place for best hair. Okay, so, so you must have been kind of. I had really long hair. Shell. Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> you can say that. I also like David. Did not. I went on one date in high school, and then my second date was my husband. So. <laughs> there you go. Well, um, Alan, I'm going to go with the date one because I think it's just more interesting. So you're going to break the rules too. I am. I'm going to. I'm going to follow in your rebelliousness. So I had a couple of them. Um, I've had a couple of embarrassing moments when Tell it comes to, I won't go into two of them. One of them, my pants ripped at a dance. Yes, the I second one, I was, um, I was in a love triangle. Oh my. Oh, and, uh, it was at, it was in the or Pittsburgh, Texas. I was new to Texarkana. This is where, uh, Jim, this is where Jim's from. And, uh, I was running down the bleachers and it was, kind of sprinkling no, outside a little wet Alan. and it was like a crowded I mean it, there was ton of you know Texas football there was everyone was there so I was leaping down the, the bleachers and like my foot slipped and I was thinking in that moment I'll be able to catch myself on the next one. Oh my well gosh. I tripped over that one I literally went down like three or four rows and when I hit the bottom landing I slid because it was wet, and the side of my head hit the pole to keep me from falling over. And so 
What did I do? As I turned around and everyone's looking at me, and I kind of jumped up and I said, "I'm okay." No, <laughs> is that what you had? It was so oh embarrassing. Gosh. See, I didn't even tell you the one that I was like intending on, on telling. I've had a lot of embarrassing moments. I in think my I would have just faked. It was being it was horrific because it was in front of these other girls that. Uh, Are we just going to wait? Skip this past was the part of the love is, triangle. Yeah, thing? I need to know. Yeah, it was actually the a square. There was three girls. What scene in the movie was this? Like, this is actual movie. I feel what, like. this is this what, is a real live. The part he talked about is that TikTok you see right now where everybody's like, yep, this is me. You're probably wondering how I ended up here. <laughs> see, if it, when we didn't have like cell phones, to, you know, to record that. Thank goodness. It would have been all over Isn't the place. Isn't that Ferris Bueller? But it was it was so embarrassing. Isn't I was new Bueller to Texarkana. So I was the new guy from Connecticut. So I was mysterious. And you had all the girls. Yeah. Everyone in Connecticut just wanted to be my friend. New but when Englander. I moved to Texarkana, then I was Everyone the, wanted I was to the date new, you. Yeah, I was the new guy. You were guy. the date guy. Yeah. The Zach Morris of yep. it was so embarrassing. Pittsburgh, if you will. Yeah. Zach Morris. Boy. Zach Morris has come up in our conversations regarding real talk way too much this week. <laughs> That's what we should do next on our on our uh, TV shows that yeah, we like. Fam- no, 90s so, TV 90s shows. 90s TV shows. Beverly Hills 90210. Okay. No. Well, there you right. go. Okay. That's five so minutes. Is that going to be our dinger? Yep. Okay. There you go. So, Episode's right. over. That's it, guys. So I will say this. The next time we send out a survey asking for ideas, flesh it out a little bit, okay? Because as you will see, a lot of these, you guys are just brainstorming, and we had to try to figure out what you meant by them. So this one was pretty easy, and so I'm just going to throw it out there. Throw it. And, uh, and then I'll let you guys jump in. But trash in, trash out. Mm-hmm. And that was it. So I think we can kind of get an idea of what they were talking about. Topic yep. about uh, trash goes in the trash bag, mm-hmm. and then it goes out to the curb. There and you if go. you take the trash out, Done. you put the trash bag back in the trash can. Mm. Yeah, that's a part that you should. That was five in. seconds. Wow, we did it, guys! Good <laughs> I work. forgot to start the timer until I thought <laughs> <the same time. laughs> All right, well, who wants to take a stab at that one? I mean, on a serious note, though. Obviously, we know what we consume is also what fills our minds and fills mm-hmm. our hearts, and that's not what we're called to. Yeah. Um, but as we were kind of playing this episode, I think I had mentioned this. I had the opportunity to take a film studies class in college and um, got to attend the Sundance Film Festival. And um, everything at the film festival is not yet rated and exceptionally worse than what you see um, by the time it hits theaters. And so I saw a lot of things I can't unsee but would mm-hmm. love to just get burned out of my brain. Yeah. Um, but with that, there's also, so there, Sundance Film Festival is not Christian at all, um, but there is a Christian forum that happens at the same time. So it was really interesting just kind of seeing, um, you know, how we take our faith into um, the entertainment industry and where we draw those lines. And mm-hmm. so how, uh, you know, we'll excuse maybe language, but maybe it's a nudity. That's where we draw the line in a film or whatever. So kind of having to force yourself to meditate on those things that are above and keep those at the forefront of your mind. But also, it's that it's a tricky balance, and I think we kind of figured that out yesterday. Like I said, there are things we excuse, yeah. and then there are things we can justify. So, yeah. yes, don't consume too much trash because it's what comes out, but also just be mindful of, I guess, what you are consuming and how others could perceive your consumption of those yeah. things. Yeah, no, that's good. Someone else, want, we got uh, three and a half minutes left, so. Anyone I was just going to do a quick plug. We We kind of dove into this a little bit deeper a couple episodes back when we talked about our time and less chaos. So if you want to hear more about yeah. that, you can go back yeah. and listen to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Less chaos. And there's always something to be said about understanding what is happening in the world mm-hmm. and what's going on in the world. That's not by any means like a justification or excuse, but it's also, you, you can't always just live in a bubble mm-hmm. to where you don't have any idea and any concept of what people around you are being influenced by, especially as a parent, yeah. you know, parents need to understand what is influencing their kids. I do kind of have a funny story about trash in trash out that uh, some friends wanted to go see the latest Quentin Tarantino movie, and I begrudgingly agreed. Um, <clears throat> and so we go see it, and we come out of the movie, and who is standing in the lobby having also just come out of a movie, but our pastor and his wife and um, some important people in our church. And <laughs> <laughs> when they're like, we just saw the latest whatever, the you know prayer, Netflix, Pure Flix, <laughs> the prayer, holy godly movie made by the Christian brothers. They'd just seen that movie. <laughs> And then they're like, what'd y'all see? And Andrea goes, we saw the Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh, I, my heart sunk. I was like, well, I'm fired. But it was really great because uh, one of the ladies that was in the group was like, oh, that looks really good. We want to see that. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you for like just, she probably didn't really want to see it. She was just trying to diffuse the situation, but I was really glad she was there. Nice. Nice. Yeah. 
All right. Anyone else? He's about to Jesus juke us, by the way. No, I'm, I was going to share mine. You guys did a good job. Share oh, you got a scripture there. I do. I do have Put a scripture. It. Yeah. Say it. We well, got time. All right. We do. We have a minute and 48 seconds left. So, so um, I kind of took this in a little bit different direction. Um, just working with young adults and working with guys for so long, I think that there's a kind of the trash that uh, that I thought of that consume people. Uh, pornography is a big one, and uh, I think we see a lot more of that on TV. We talked a little bit about that the other day, mm-hmm. and especially like Netflix and stuff like that. You can you can find some bad stuff, but. I had a friend uh, when we were serving in South Korea. He was a missionary. He was single. Ash and I, we were a young couple. Uh, We were really good friends with him, just a great guy. But he admitted to us and just very transparent that he was struggling with just watching movies, Mm -hmm. picking the wrong movies. And and he struggled with that. We prayed with him. Things weren't getting better. And so uh, I just said, well, give me your VCR. That's what it was at the time. Yeah, go ahead and laugh. Go ahead. No. (laughs) What's a VCR? I love a VCR player. (laughs) Beta. There you go. We had a lot of babies. But uh, so, yeah, so he gave me he <laughs> gave me his VCR uh, machine. And then. Um, Not going to lie. That's the first time I've ever heard it called a VCR machine. <laughs> yeah. VCR machine. VCR, VCR player. What was it? A, a player. It was, yeah. VCR player. VCR. It's been a long time. That's like 20. VCR. This is a VCR. Yeah. Anyways, uh, but here's a great passage of scripture. This is the Jesus Duke that Dave was tell, telling you about. Um, that I, I love this passage because it really kind of gives you a direction what to do when you're struggling in sin. Because you can so easily kind of focus on the sin and try to conquer the sin, and and we won't do that. But it's uh, Galatians five sixteen. Uh, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of uh, the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other. So it just really goes into focus. If you're struggling in a sin area, if you're kind of consuming a lot of trash, oh, you are so nice. I it you're um, <laughs> then focus on that relationship with God. Walk with Him. Uh, abide in Him. Draw close to Him, and you'll see your desires. To you'll start hating trash. It's kind of being on a diet. Yeah. If you've ever like not had sugar for a while and you're just eating a lot of fruit. And a lot of that sugary stuff really starts tasting bad. I remember that one time when it's I did that. One time. To me. <laughs> yeah. say, I paused it and I wanted to interject something because you said something. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because in our conversation about this specific topic, like you, you went all the way down the line, like you're talking about pornography. Like mm-hmm. the thing is pornography is not the only thing that's trash. Like the music you listen oh, to yeah. can be trash. The TV yeah. shows that you watch can be trash. Yeah. And you know, that's the thing. Like there are a lot of mainstream culture things that we just dismiss. Like Ali says, right? Like, Oh, we just don't think it's bad. But mm-hmm. then there's other people like, Oh, how could you watch such a terrible thing? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, uh, oh, okay, you know. And so I think it's interesting for us to just really realize, trash doesn't have to be that pendulum swing all the way to something, mm-hmm. right? You know, like that. It can be anything that influences you in a negative way, yeah. and it really is true. What you put in mm-hmm. is what overflows. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, good, good stuff. All right, the next one is. Um, the next one, <laughs> we nice. over- wow. I restarted it after I got done talking. The other one was, uh, there was a question on here, and we're not going to answer it because we, we've already talked about it, but we'll point you in the direction. <laughs> Streaming services and yeah. setting healthy boundaries. Do we it. did talk about that in Less Chaos. chaos. So that one covered a lot of topics. Here's one, and I'm going to have David start off. Sports <laughs> as an idol. Oh, man. Get it, David. Come on. So I'm not an expert at this as because I do like sports. I don't feel like I idolize it, and that's probably because I do idolize it. So the, people, <laughs> the, the people that idolize things say they don't idolize things. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I used to be really, really into sports, like in, in college, especially with the Razorbacks, Go Hogs. Mm-hmm. Back when um, you were a nerd. And I just remember just getting so upset and so um, just emotional about when they lost. And they lost a lot because, unfortunately... You don't have to relive this. Yeah, I don't want to. Um, and it really affected my uh, just anger and just daily life. And so obviously that when it starts affecting you like that and affecting your relationship with others, that's obviously not a good thing. Um, but this is this is also a, an issue that we see a lot in, in church life too. It's not necessarily just specifically sports, but sports plays a huge deal in in uh, especially in kids' lives too, like parent and kid relationships, uh, like skipping church events and skipping just everyday life with the church to do sports. Um, and it's important to balance that. I'm not saying that all sports are bad because um, it is a good place to 
one can, you know, have community with people and have a common denominator in relationships, but also it's, it's fun to play sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a healthy balance there. And, um, obviously when it starts <laughs> affecting your mood, it's not a good place to be. I remember um, watching a sports ball game with you and oh my goodness. Corey and Michael. Sports. And uh, I was terrified, not going to lie. They were, I've actually got a picture, I think, of, at one point of like they're standing there with their hands over Okay, their I know exactly what you're talking about. And this was <laughs> the last fun, time, is the last time the Razorbacks ever been so close to a national cha- championship in my lifetime. Well, that I was a Razorback fan. What sport? baseball mm. and it was also the last time they ever invited me to view sports because mm. you're taking pictures of us while we're in our worst moments <laughs> and, but you know there's something fun about like letting yourself emotionally yeah, get, get like involved. taken by a game oh, yeah. yeah like i can sit back and i can watch the game and it not move me even if my team loses even yeah. if the cowboys lose you know which they do a lot but, often. but it's so true often. but if i choose to really emotionally get into it then uh, it is it's fun, fun. it makes it more but fun. you gotta let it after that yes. moment you gotta let it go yeah. It's just sports. It's just a game. My yeah. thing is always about, and not specifically sports as an idol. It's just easy to pick on sports as an idol, especially with guys. But we all idolize something. Pretty much everybody has some kind of an idol in their life. And it's the fact that using sports as that example, if people, and you've heard it said, it's so cliche, but it is so true. If people were half as passionate about the gospel ministry and half as passionate about church and half as passionate about the relationship with Christ as they get about sports, wow, our world be, would be completely changed. Mm-hmm. And they just aren't. Yeah, And so I think that's the reason why stuff like that bothers me. And whenever I find an idol in my life, I'm like, mm, if I was half as passionate about my walk with Christ, mm-hmm. even my personal walk with Christ as I was about whatever this is I'm idolizing, yeah. then my world will be completely different. Everyone it's, around me would be different. It's sad to say probably the average churchgoer is more passionate about something than they are about their walk with God. Yeah. It's not just fair. people who love sports. And but then I look at our church, I'm like, man, there are people who sacrifice. I yeah. look mm-hmm. at our life group leaders, our volunteers, I'm like, man, you know, we talked about this last weekend where we really put all of our efforts together and and celebrating, you know, Pastor Wes and Lisa's uh, 20th anniversary. And it was just like... Of being here at the church. There's a yeah. lot, of, lot of passion there and a lot of sacrifice and yeah. everything. And then... Yeah, so so I, I see both sides of and it. And the I think people listening will say let's just, that's just a cop out answer. But honestly, like just take a second, think about it, mm-hmm. really meditate on what is something that causes you to have those mood swings or mm-hmm. causes you to whatever and really realize that could be an idol in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um because it it's easy for us to say these things, but also really when you start applying it and actually taking a second to think about it, you know, there are a lot of idols in our lives. And I mean, for me, I guess it's sports. Cause y'all looked at me when we started this. <laughs> I mean, I, I do idolize the brewers and, and how terrible they are every year. And they break my heart every year, especially in 2018. But you know, I'm not bitter about it still. And there's a couple of ways of looking at this. I was, I just looked at a bunch of passages and there's two different types of passages when it came to like idol worship. One of them was kind of a list of these things, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So that was one list. Uh, but then what, this was that, a different... What was that scripture? Um, that was Colossians 3, 5. And okay. then I'll, I'll end with this one. The other one was just talking about uh, gather together and come assemble, uh, you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who uh, carry about idols of wood and pray to gods that cannot save. So I think also when you're in trouble or when you're in crisis, where do you run to? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can also kind of point mm-hmm. to where your idol is because yeah. it could be a, in a person or something else or and yourself. not in God. Yeah, mm-hmm. or in yourself or in a alcohol or mm-hmm. something else. And so um, it can probably literally be anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. it can look several different ways. Yep. All right. Uh, good, good, good. Uh, we didn't do that in five, but it was close. Now, this one we debated on whether to talk about or not because it's kind of a – it's complicated. Hot-button issue. It's a hot-button issue. It's complicated. Uh, immig- so this person just wrote, immigration, law and compassion coexist. And I think what they're saying is surely the law and compassion coexist, that there is a, a point of view where where we do need to uphold the law, but we also need to show compassion, especially as Christians, and how do we hold both of those uh, in balance? And so 
So we kind of debated on whether to even talk about it. And I just said, well, I'll talk about it. So, <laughs> so yeah. I said, I'll talk about it. Yeah. You can and David and I it. said, so, we won't talk yeah. about so it. So we'll jump in. James Not that we don't care. It's just, <laughs> I just don't feel like I have a good opinion on it. Yeah. And I don't know if I do or either. Well rounded opinion. We probably on it. don't. Any of us have a good opinion on it. We just we feel a little too sweaty to answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's the reality is, you know, it's fun to have an opinion on stuff, but unless you're really wrestling with something and you're like in government, you're wrestling with it, we really don't know everything that goes on with it, but I'm going to give it my best shot because this stuff is interesting to me. So uh, I kind of look at it this way. Uh, I personally would like for my government to uphold the law. That's why we, that's why we vote for them, because we want them to protect our country uh, from attack uh, and to uphold the laws that we have. So that's what I would want from my government. And then what would I want from myself and my church? I'd want us to show compassion, even those that we would term as uh, done something illegal. You know, I worked in a prison ministry for a long time, and I wasn't advocating for them to get out early, but I was there caring for them, uh, mentoring some, and meeting them where they were at. And so I could do both at the same time. You know, they they probably it was good for them to serve time. It was it was healthy for them. But we both look forward to the day that he that they were out. And uh, you and say you that. served in prison ministry. Were you actually in prison? <laughs> I was not. Are you but sure? I, I, no, I was mentored going in as a pastor and, and doing that sort of thing. So there's some stats that went along with uh, just different perspective. I found this one thing about just how different people viewed immigration. I won't get into all that, but here's kind of a nuance of it. Um, I think me as an American citizen, I'll let you know, the executive branch and Congress work out how to implement the law. I personally am not a black and white person when it comes to issues. And I do think that there are nuances. And so in my personal opinion, yeah, there probably is a small percentage or a percentage of people that came here illegally that we can make a simpler pathway to get in to become citizens. That's just my own perspective on it. I know that uh, many of us, especially as Christians, we see things black and white and just send everybody back and have them go through the line the way they ought to. But it's not that easy. I mean, there are tens of millions of people in our country and uh, how do you do that? How do you do that well? So uh, to me, I think we're we you know we're going to have to figure it out because we've made a mess of things. And so um, uh, I just think you know we we got to do something. We need to uphold the law. Let's focus on um, making it harder uh, for people to come in illegally and uh, and just sending off people to different cities. I don't think that that's really compassion either. Drop people off in a city and good luck. You know. Um, so, but as Christians, we ought to be compassionate, you know, probably every town has illegals living in there and we ought to show uh, grace, truth, and love. And, um, so that's what I would do. That's what I'd do as a pastor. I wouldn't turn them in. <laughs> I personally wouldn't. And some of you may disagree with me on that. That's okay. You have yeah, your own opinion. going to be at his front door tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> James, how about you? Well, I'm in agreement with you for the most part. You know, it's like, I think, I think the question stems from, I mean, we don't really know. Like I said, we just got a question. But to me, the question seems to stem from, is it possible for you to believe that people shouldn't be let into our country, but also be compassionate? Like, how, how is that compassionate? And the reality is, Scripture talks about how we are under the authority of the law, you know, and the other, under the authority of our governance. And so our governance states, you cannot do a certain thing, therefore it's against the law. And so for us to uphold that, and, and believe that that should be upheld is perfectly fine. That's perfectly acceptable, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, we like you said, we can have compassion on people that are in need. We can do things to help meet the needs of people that may be at the borders and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like you didn't say it, but like if I so feel led, mm-hmm. you know, it's like if you are struggling with the idea that that there are these people that are hurting and need something, go go mm-hmm. do something. Don't right. just talk about it. Yeah. Figure out a way to get involved and help. And, and do that. That's maybe the Holy Spirit telling you that you need to go do something about this specifically. Mm-hmm. If you're just trying to morally debate, should we, you know, keep people out if we want to be compassionate Christians? Well, yes, because again, our government says this is what's, this is what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And we are under that authority, you know, and so therefore I there's not a conflict there for me. Yeah. yeah. And if I want to add one little thing, it's that much grace has been received by us in turn, we should give much grace yeah, back for sure. Yeah, in all situations, yeah. not necessarily just immigration, but yeah, I think we don't do well at giving grace to people, and we can be better at that. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's good. Good job, David. See, there you go. That's all I have to say. <laughs> that's my opinion on immigration. Uh, that's good. There you go. All right. Good job. We got three of us in there. All right. The next one was how best to serve students as a young adult. So this is obviously coming from someone who at least sees themselves as a young adult. And, um, <laughs> you know, I saw myself as a young adult until I was like 35. Maybe it's someone who oh, no. wants to how encourage someone that they know is a young they adult. five to years left. <laughs> And then I was just like realizing I'm like, Mm -hmm. you're still a young adult. Yeah, Yeah, I am. If you live to 100, you're middle aged. Mm. Right now. Right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's true. If I live to 100. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's not likely. (laughs) With all the mountain biking. Yeah. I'm on the downside. (laughs) So how to best serve students as a young adult? Who wants to take that one on? I'm interested for Allie to tell her story about like when you were in college and you were struggling with what to do about that, Mm -hmm. because I think that's a great perspective and point of view to have, because there's probably a lot of people that feel that way. Yep. So, um, I chose not to serve students when I was in college. (laughs) I served in the kids (laughs) ministry. Um, but there was one summer that I came home. Let me just preface also by saying I typically do not choose to work with students because I have such a passion for working with children. So Mm -hmm. it's not that I dislike students. Yeah. Um, I hate them, but just absolutely hate them. They all (laughs) smell weird. Um, I came home for one summer and wanted to, um, go back as a camp counselor to the church I grew up in. Um, and it was exciting and also very nerve wracking at the same time because I had just graduated. I think it was after my freshman year. So I was one year older than, you know, some of the students who would be going on this trip. And so that was really weird. And, you know, they're your friends. So you have a weird dynamic with them. Um, but the church was really good about sticking me with uh, seventh graders, and it was their first year at student camp. And honestly, um, working with that group of girls really pushed me to know my stuff. Mm. Um, in a one-week time frame, um, those girls um, forced me to understand my faith in a deeper level. And so I would be like studying in between all their free time. I'm sitting there like trying to prep for how I'm going to train these girls um, and even be able to teach them because they um, they knew their stuff and they came in um, ready to learn. They were excited about student camp. And so um, I would just encourage anyone as a young adult who's worried about that relationship level um, just because the closeness of age. Maybe you don't necessarily have to serve students who are 16 to 18, you know. Um, students a lot of the times start out in student ministry at like 13 and 14 and that's a really vulnerable age and um, a lot of minds are molded around that age mm-hmm. so um, I would say jump in there and if you feel comfortable serving there then work your way up towards the older students but um, it's really it was really good for me yep that's awesome. and that's good um, all throughout college I worked and helped out with student ministry a ton Um with doing D nows and leading those a lot. And the thing I can, I gleaned from it is that you can take every opportunity and seize every opportunity to help with serving, mm-hmm. whether that's with students or whatever, it's mm-hmm. just find opportunities to serve. And if students is where you feel led to do it, then do it. Um, and the cool thing about it is that what Allie was saying is that not necessarily you have to have all the answers, because there's a lot of times where you're going to learn something from the people who are quote-unquote mentoring. So um, the best way to serve students is to serve students. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's just do it. And we're all not going to be perfect at it, and you're not going to have all the answers or the best way to actually help them in their issues. Because, I mean, honest, like I don't know any of – I feel old already and outdated <laughs> compared to high schoolers now, but um, – just take the opportunity and, yeah. and you know, like I said, it's, it's always good to, and it'll help you find the place and hone in of where you're good at serving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wrote down, be available. Yeah. Be a, you know, more than anything else, just uh, hang out with them. And then for those of you who are not a young adult and you're wondering if uh, you're, you can still invest in young people. When I was in college, uh, there's a guy who just retired. I mean, this, gosh, I was in college, like, a long Just time a few ago. years, years ago. ago. A yeah. long time ago. 25 I mean, years ago. Years, over 25. But... Yeah, my golden years. <laughs> um, but his name is David James. He oversaw collegiate ministry for the state of Arkansas. And uh, he just retired like within the last couple of years. But I remember as a college student, this old guy, he's probably mm-hmm. like 40, you know, at the time. 
uh, he it was like 11, 11.30 p.m. And for most of us in college, that was like the night was young. We were mm-hmm. hanging out. Eating dinner. Yeah. First just, dinner. Yeah, yeah, we were at a hotel at Fourth a retreat. Meal. And here's this guy that comes. And I remember him just sitting down next to me in the hallway. We're outside the hallway just uh, shooting the breeze and talking. And he sat down and hung out with us. And I just thought, how cool is that, that this mm-hmm. guy was just willing to come and hang out with us? And it really made me think what motivates him to do that. And it just made a huge impact on me. So just live a life worth emulating. Uh, Paul said in First Corinthians 11, do what I do. That's pretty bold. Mm-hmm. Do what I do. And, um, and so, and be available and make sure that you're living a, a life that's worth emulating. Uh, or maybe you're not ready yet to be serving because that would be important. I stopped the timer because I wanted to share. All right. Because I also spent most of my young adult life, you know, working in student ministry, especially. And so I've taught everything from seventh grade to seniors. And, you know, I think one of the things, especially as a young adult, we need to remember college students, when someone graduates high school, they're going to go off to college typically, or they're going to go into trade school or they're going to start their career. Mm -hmm. That's usually the moment whenever a lot of people step away from church and don't ever come back. Or if they do come back it's usually once they've started a family and and they're in a certain age so that's why a lot of our churches have such a gap in that Mm -hmm. age range is simply because people are stepping away Mm -hmm. so if you are a young adult or even not so much of a young adult but you're a cool older adult just an adult just an adult like um yeah so (laughs) i like how you snuck it in there but like if you have such an opportunity to pour into speak into and encourage people especially high school students especially those juniors and seniors to help set them up and help prepare them for what's going to come because they're going to get bombarded with so much worldly stuff. Even at a Christian college, they're going to get bombarded with so much stuff that's going to potentially lead them away from the faith. And you have incredible opportunities to minister to these kids and to help encourage these kids to not do that, to help keep them steadfast and firm and steady. And, you know, they're going to probably listen to you more than they listen to their parents because their parents are the old fuddy-duddies that always just make rules for them and yell at them and get them in trouble. And they just don't get it. And they just don't you understand. You don't get it, Mom. But, um, Dad. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> just go make a case of Dilla. I had really um, great parents. But, uh, <laughs> but you as a young adult, they're going to listen to you. So you have tremendous potential there to really help, like we've said, shape and mold and just encourage and keep kids from stepping away just because they're going to get bombarded with stuff. And so, yeah. yeah. And I would add to... Um, because the time is still paused that I remember very vividly every young adult who served me while I was growing up in student ministry. They just had such a lasting impact on my life. And I, maybe it was cause I idolized them and thought they were so cool cause they were a young adult. Um, but I think it's also just the way that y'all were saying that like they just showed up and I think there's a level of transparency when you're a young adult also that doesn't get hidden by marriage or maybe even by children or just like building your career and things. So you're really, I don't know. I just always felt like everyone who worked with us um, growing up in student ministry was very open and honest with us. And I really, really appreciate that. And I do remember each of them very vividly. And it's like Alan said, you need to live that life that's worth emulating because they are going to learn. Mm -hmm. This is what, no matter what kind of an adult you are, young, old, whatever, they're going to learn from your good things and your bad things. Mm -hmm. And so you do need to live that life that's worth emulating. And, you know, something for me is I did all this and there was a lot of times I'm like, why am I doing this? I don't, mm-hmm. there's no fruit from this. But then I remember a few years ago I had, you know, just over the course of several months and I think it might've been a season where I needed to be encouraged or something, but I had several people that I had, you know, kind of mentored or helped walk along on their faith when they were younger. And I was a young adult reach out and say, I just wanted to thank you for all of, all of what you have done to pour into me. And I'm like, man, it really mm-hmm. was, it really was worth it. It mm-hmm. really did have an impact, even though I may not have seen it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just keep adding since just we paused that it. thing. I reset um, the timer. So. There you go. Another five. Um, this could have been a whole time. I yep. got a five this is one. on it. Um, anyways, so like James was saying, don't be afraid to you know help out. But also, um, don't be afraid to use your failures as examples to mm-hmm. give to right. younger students. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of the times when, we, when I did those D-Nows and stuff, I connected with the students because I would share the failures that I've had and using that as a testimony of, okay, yes, God has shown me these things that I've done wrong, but there's, there's grace there, but also, you know, 
don't do what I did. You know, like, yeah, yeah. avoid these things. Unlike Paul, don't do what I did. Don't do what I did. (laughs) I think even being worthy of emulating is living authentically and real. And very true. No kid expects you to be perfect. Just like no. And even no child expects their parent to be perfect, mm-hmm. but they expect them to to care and love and be mm-hmm. fair and My all that kind of perfect. stuff. <laughs> My parents are close. That's scary. I can believe that about your parents, actually. <laughs> and David's parents are yeah, they're saints. They're saints. Yeah, Tony Bullard, you're a saint. She is. <laughs> all right, here's the last question. Um, and this one's a good one. This is a good one to end on. Uh, what do I do if I feel I have a hard time loving God back? So this is obviously a very heartfelt, um, question that's being asked. And I think probably all of us can identify with this. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm really glad we're covering it. And I'm really glad the person asked that because that is normal. Mm -hmm. I think for us to not just come right out of the gate and say that that is a normal thing that people go through mm-hmm. is a disservice to everybody, including ourselves, including the person that asked the question. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a normal part of our walk. There are times and seasons where we have difficulty doing that and it yeah. can be brought on by circumstance. It can be brought on by our choices. It can be brought on by something that's going on around us. That's just impacting us in a very heavy emotional way. And it's, it's just a normal thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that's one of the, most difficult struggles maybe um that is normal um just because it you have to get to a low point to realize like how much god loves you and how consistent his pursuit of you is mm-hmm. um and then it's that mindset and it almost feels like circular is that a word Cir- cyclical circular. Yeah. both circular and cyclical those are both yeah. words in which like you almost you get in that like turmoil mindset and it just keeps going and going and going and you're angry at yourself for it happening again. Um, but I don't know. I just, I've been in seasons of very dry seasons of spiritual, just, I I felt like I wasn't growing and Mm -hmm. I look the same as I did three months ago and that shouldn't be the case. Um, and that is one of the hardest concepts for me to understand is how God can love me so much throughout that. And I have returned less than anything to him. Yeah. Like just nothing. Haven't even acknowledged that he loves me really. And so, and then you, like I said, you get in that mindset and it just keeps going and going and then you're so just distraught. But um, like you said, it's very normal. And I think one of the things that just draws me out of that, I don't, I mean, this might be for everyone and this is definitely not the only thing you should do. But for me, I like to just sit down and actually like look at lyrics um, of worship songs that have mm-hmm. meant a lot to me because mm-hmm. you get used to seeing them. But sometimes if you um, just sit there and look at the words, scripture based worship, yeah. um, it just changes my heart mm-hmm. in those moments. And so I don't know, just going to a place where you feel very loved by God and just meeting him in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And like Ali, we're talking about lyrics for me. I was going to say that. <clears throat> usually whenever I'm in that moment for me, it's because there's something that I want mm-hmm. or there's something that I'm expecting or there, I had an expectation or I had something that I desired that then did not happen or is not happening or I'm worried that's not going to happen. And so a lot of times for me, what I have to do is, and, and I don't journal, I'm not a journaler, but I know a lot of people are, and this really helps with those moments, mm-hmm. but is to think about all the ways that God has provided. Think about all the ways God has tangibly shown his love. Think about all the things that God has done. And I'm not talking the, um, church answer of, well, he sent us, sent to die on a cross. <clears throat> That's default. I'm not talking about that, that stuff. Um, I'm talking about, you know, the, the ways he is, he has blessed me in my life, the way he has carried me through difficult storms, mm-hmm. the way he has brought me through seasons that were really challenging and what's happened on the other side. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm in that for me, it's because I'm in a dark moment and I need to get out of that dark moment. And so I need to remember how he has taken me from other dark moments and got me through the other side yeah. and see his blessing in my life and just be reminded of that. Because that's that's usually for me what causes that is if I'm so stuck on this thing and in my mind it's impacting my life so tremendously. But the reality is it's just another drop mm-hmm. in the bucket of eternity mm-hmm. with God. And so I will have to go back and just recall this is this is how God loves me. Mm-hmm. This is how God has shown it. And I can't just dismiss all the other things that have happened just because of this one little thing that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. I can remember uh, some advice given 
I can't even remember if it was advice to me or to somebody else, but I think for those of us that are married, all of us around this table are married, um, is you can go through dry seasons where it's just like the feelings are no longer like really there. Obviously, you still love that person, but those uh, that those feelings of intimacy and, and love and that those can kind of wane. They can they can come and go during your marriage. And I can remember the advice given that I really loved uh, was do what you know that you ought to do and those feelings will follow. So if you know, maybe it's been a long time and you just haven't gotten flowers for your wife or you just haven't done something special for her or for him, do the things that you know that you ought to do and those feelings will come with that. And, um, and so that was, I thought, great advice. And I've taken that advice in my own marriage over the last 28 years. And, uh, and I found that today in, in this passage in Revelations, because when I saw this, I thought of uh, that passage in Revelation for um, the church at Ephesus, where it says, uh, you know, yet I, I hold this against you. He was actually talking good things about this church. Uh, Jesus was, but he says, you have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how you have fallen, repent, and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And I just think, there it is, you know, and it, it, uh, that's good advice. And I would give you that advice is if, um, if you've grown up in church or been in, involved in church for any length of time, you've been walking with the Lord for any length of time, you know what those right things are. And it always goes back to the fundamentals. And the Bible talk, you know, there's that churchy word to abide in Christ. And, um, and it just means to really walk closely with him. It's an intimate word. It's a, it's a word of relationship, uh, drawing close to the word of God. And so just encourage you to do what you know that you ought to do, those fundamentals of the faith. And I think that those feelings will follow. But there will be other times where um, those feelings will, will not be there. And that's normal, James. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to where you said those are normal feelings and your feelings will wane and they'll come back. So just don't base your faith on feelings. Just like I don't base my marriage based on my feelings during that time. I made a commitment and I know my love for my wife. And even when those feelings aren't there, I, I do the things that I know I ought to do. And you ought to as well. And God's love is not represented in your circumstances yeah. by any means. I mean, Job yes. defines that so clearly yeah. that God's love for you is not defined in your circumstances. So don't fall prey to that. Don't let that lead you down a path that you really should not go down. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this question has an, is a twofold question, you know, like you have your everyday life when things feel like you're in a dry spell, but also there are times where in trouble and, in hard circumstance, it's easy to be like, why, like, mm-hmm. why God, I'm having a hard time loving you in this moment because mm-hmm. I feel like this is against what you have promised or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there's been many times where I've seen people go through that. I've gone through it, but um, if you really truly believe that God is for you and God wants the best for you and, and God obviously is going to do whatever he can to get his glory. Um, then you just got to believe whatever circumstances you're going through, it is for your good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is not a cop-out answer. It's, it's, right. it's, it's one of those humanly things we will never understand. Yeah. Yeah. But there are times where like the worst thing could happen and it happens and we, we don't have an answer for it, but ultimately God will get his glory through those things and those times. And all our job is to love him and that doesn't make sense. But the, in, in the Bible, it says, you know, like God will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding Mm -hmm. and, and really understanding that, you know, maybe this is for my good, even though it makes no humanly sense at all. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's the other side of this question too, is just in those times that we're really want to be against God because in our minds, he has wronged us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's hard. And that's hard an- to answer. And it's a hard to kind of contemplate because there's plenty of times where David is wrestling with God saying, why? You know, where are you? David in the Bible. Yes. Not, not third person. I mean, <laughs> time. Yes, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but David in the Bible just wrestling with God and being like, where are you? Why mm-hmm. have you left me? You did this to me. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the next chapter over, he's like, 
you're the only God that I love. <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing more beautiful than to see someone worship yeah. in spite of where they've been empty exactly. because of a tragedy or something yeah. like that. And you're just like, oh, Lord, I want to, if that ever happens to me, I want to react that way. I want to yeah. be like that. And and it's almost like, I uh, can't remember which disciple it was, but after he had said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, yeah. you know, you can't have any part of me. And it, like most of Jesus' followers left and then, can't remember which one. Probably Peter just says, "Where else? Where else will head. I go?" He was a hothead. Yeah, but he he said, "Where else will I go?" Mm-hmm. I'm, in other words, there's nothing in this world that's better than you. I don't get what just happened. I don't know why you said what you said. I really don't get what you said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand it. It sounded creepy and weird, Jesus. But there, there's nothing else better in this world than you, and I'm going to follow you. And just mm-hmm. like that's that's beautiful worship. Yeah. Anyways, good stuff. I like this. This is good. I think every once in a while yeah. it'd be good to field questions like this. It's fun to do. Lightning round. Uh, yeah, kind of lightning round. We didn't do good with the timer. Uh, Sorry. No, it wasn't better. your fault. I wasn't looking it's at you. It's better than we, we, we all paused it. Better without. Yeah, it's but, better. Uh, but it was good. You and I good. were fighting over starting. <laughs> it's like, no, we are going to let this yeah. one go. Thank you guys for uh, following and listening. Uh, it's and great to liking get and, and liking subscribing yes. and sharing and commenting. Yes, all those things help defeat. Couldn't think of anything to add. The social media algorithmics. Yes. Yes. Algorithmics. Algorithmics. It's algorithms. The algorithmics. Oh my gosh. Dreams are. Yeah. That's that's the rhythm. Yeah. It's like that's a different. Alan, so next week, what's was? what's our next series? Our next series. Um, oh, it's my least it was, favorite. We're going to talk about the gray. Yeah, the gray. The gray. We jokingly wanted to call it the Fifty Shades of Gray, but. <laughs> I, it, Fifty yeah. Shades of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey's Anatomy. But <laughs> Both it's, of those it's are terrible way, names. It's way too cheeky and bad. Yeah. So cheeky. we'll see where that goes. This is going to be such an interesting <laughs> series because I am not a person who likes gray. Yeah. And Alan loves the, the gray. Yeah. Alan likes to play in the gray. He likes to live in the gray. He's just over Swim there dancing in, in the gray. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nope, everything's black or white. Out of the yeah. gray. Eat the gray stuff. So it's we'll see. Delicious. Yeah, we'll see where that goes. If you're, it's like you're in Don't England. Believe me. It's the dish. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.